I have been, uh, through the coming of this new year, even into March, I said it's been really probably the busiest almost three months, going on three months, that I have experienced for many, many years, maybe forever. Been many things going on. And part of that uh, is excitement. It is anticipation. It is a growing uh, anticipation that will not stop. And it is about what God, the children can be dismissed, I'm sorry, uh, about what God is up to, that God is really up to something in our day. I think for many, many years, there has been prophetic words from around the world uh, that in the Upper Peninsula and in the North Woods in Wisconsin and across the North, there was going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that there would be a revival where God has chosen to pour His Spirit out, and I'm saying, bring it on. Bring it on, God. But you know, in the meantime, we need to be about the Lord's business uh, you know, I, I know so many churches that are sitting around, little churches, and I've talked to some pastors over the years, and their solution to their small church problem and lack of growth and passion is someday God's going to send revival. I'm just telling you, stir the waters now. I mean, don't sit around waiting. Be busy. Good things come to those who are in, in the field working. Amen? You've got you to plant the harvest. You've got to be busy. And especially during this last year, I keep beating this to death, but through the past year of COVID and the pandemic around the world in the United States and some of the controversy that that has brought even within the body of Christ, it has been my prayer, Lord, this is a, uh, you weren't blindsided, but we were somewhat blindsided by the, uh, by the effects of this pandemic in our nation, as it seems like some say that Politicians, left-wing politicians are using it as an opportunity to seize power and, and steal rights away from the citizens, and that may be true. I, you know, I'd leave that in God's hands, but I pray against that in Jesus' name and certainly stand against it. But I think also, I believe it is a attack from the enemy. I think it, it is a time of testing for the church of Jesus Christ. When I, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about you and me. Uh, it's a time of testing for us. It's a time of testing for the institutional church uh, to see whether it's going to survive or not. You know, church is not brick-and-mortar buildings. That's where the church meets. You know, this is a beautiful facility, but it's just, it's just a place where we meet, where the church comes together and has corporate worship and prayer, and, and, uh, and here's the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, and, and a place where our children can go to be discipled. But this building one day will burn when God recreates a new heavens and new earth. It's going to burn one day. But I'm thankful for it while we have it. But during this past year, I have grieved, as I've talked to many other pastors, the grief of loss, like a death, of, of a year ago having to face the reality that we were not going to be able to have resurrection services on Easter. And you say, Pastor, why is that so big? Because it is the day that defines who the church of Jesus Christ is. It is the essence of the preaching of the gospel. If without the resurrection, there is no hope. And so we come together, we celebrate, we rejoice. Listen, on Easter services, there is a, a, a just a, it's the Holy Spirit on steroids. 
The atmosphere is charged with resurrection power and people get saved. People get challenged. People recommit their lives to Jesus. People uh, just transform on that day. And I've mourned over the opportunities that were lost. I've mourned over not having VBS sports camp and many young people, children who haven't found Christ in the camps and things I've shared with you before. Now, we have the gift of technology in this generation during a pandemic that we have live streaming. Thank God for Isaac Lindstedt and his crew that got us up and running. Man, give him, give him a hand. Give it up for him. Put in untold volunteer hours this last year to make things as good as we could get them. And uh, thank God for your faithfulness and giving. The board spent tens of thousands of, I don't know how much, on equipment so that we could have the best quality we could possibly have. You know, and somebody says, and I agree with this, live streaming is great, but there's no substitute for the synergy that uh, comes when we are all together uh, in one place, worshiping God corporately and fellowshipping together with the saints of God. There's nothing that will substitute for that. God designed us to be with one another, to touch each other's lives, to speak into each other's lives, to be in the presence of God together as well as by ourselves. And this is where power comes. This is where encouragement comes. This is where we get gassed up and ready to go. This is where we get, man, new tires, treads on our tires, and we get going. Man, I'm telling you, that that has been missed, but it's coming back. You know, there's still fear. And the title of my message is From Fear to Hope because I think in the last year there was a lot of fear, even in the body of Christ, where people were afraid. And, and, And it's one thing to be cautious, but it's one thing to be fearful. And fear, listen, when it goes to the extreme, fear, listen, fear is a spirit when it crosses the line. And it torments with what if, and what about this, and what if this happens, you see. Fear has torment. You know, for the child of God, when fear comes, we can say, whatever, my God is still on his throne. And he's still ruling and reigning. You know, there's been uh, so much chaos, you know, when the, the last year was taking place. And I like this in my, my text today. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 43 has been in my heart for a couple of months now, but going all the way back to January. And I just keep reading it over and over again. And I just keep seeing that God is speaking this to in this day. And God says, listen, now, but now, says the Lord. Now, Israel, staying true to the historical context, uh, Isaiah's prophesying in the previous chapter of, you know, you've been unfaithful to covenant, you have ears to hear, but, you're bl- uh, but you don't hear, you have eyes to see, but you're blind. And, and he goes on, and God says, you know, there's trouble's going to come, judgment's coming. But now, says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. And what is God saying, Really? is no matter what you go through as a covenant person who has a covenant relationship with the God of heaven, is that you're mine. You're mine. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in, you belong to me. You are redeemed. I have redeemed you. I bought you off the slave market of sin, and you belong to me. You are mine. And he, goes, and he says, I called you by your name. I know who you are. 
You know what thrills me about that is I think about the Lamb's book of life in heaven. You know, uh, Revelation, the last few chapters, talks about books in heaven before the judgment. There's books that will be opened as each one stands before God. And, and it says that in those books, it is, it is the transgressions, the sins of the, of the person. And, and, but when we receive Christ as Savior, the blood of Jesus wipes away all those accusations and all those charges and the pages are white as snow. And in the Lamb's book of life, once we receive Christ as Savior, our names are written there. And when we stand before the judgment, check the book, angel, God will say. And they're going to say, when I stand before him, is his name in the book of life? And you know what? Angel's going to look. He'll say, yeah, Tim is here. I don't think he's even going to say Hawthorne because God knows my name. He knows every Tim. You know what? There's a lot of Tim Hawthorns. I have, I have a nephew named after me, but God said, oh, that Tim I know. See, I know him. He's mine. I call him by his name. I formed him in the womb, and on November the 1st, 1969, he went down an altar to an altar after hearing the gospel preached, and he received my son as his Savior, and the blood of Jesus washed him clean. His name got written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he's mine. No matter what circumstances you go through, God is saying that I'm with you. You belong to me. I've called you by name. You're mine. And verse 2 says, when you pass, not notice if. It doesn't say if. Take note of that, that when you pass through the waters, and he's not talking about just wading down a creek, you know, getting your feet, you know, kind of cooled off in the summertime. He's talking about when you pass through a flood, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. See, he's talking about circumstances and trials. He's talking about times when you feel like you're going to go under and not be able to get up. He's talking about when you feel like you're going to drown, when you're going to be washed downstream by the current of this flood. And God says, no, that might be the enemy's intent for you, but I have overruled the enemy. He's overruled the enemy's plans. And he says, and they're not going to overflow you. And, And when, not if... But when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I want you to notice that. Going through the waters. You know, the, uh, the, the Greek word for waters is mayim. And, and it literally means water, waters, floods, seas. It is a Hebrew word also for water, but it's always in the plural, waters. Because there's different types of waters. And it can talk about like it's used in a curve metaphor of raging, of the raging heathen, or the chaotic stormy seas at creation, uh, uh, and vast nations, seas of people, in other words. But it speaks significantly uh, of sustenance, fertility, and blessing, and refreshing. And God is saying, you know, waters can be either good or bad, but when you go through floodwaters that are going to seemingly overwhelm you, they're going to drown you, God says, I've overruled that. I'm going to be your lifeguard. I'm going to pull you and pluck you out of those things. Not going to happen. And when you go through the fire, speaks of going all the way back, really uh, kind of to the Hebrew children who were uh, taken off into captivity into Babylon that will come uh, after this uh, passage and they're going to be taken off and they're going to be put in a fiery furnace for refusing to bow the knee to the idol that was before them. 
And they went into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the fiery furnace, heated up seven times hotter than it normally is, bound up with ropes, cast into the fiery furnace. And when they look, they report back to the king, a messenger, O king, the Hebrew children you threw in there, they're not burned up, but they're in there walking around. They're unbound. The ropes, the fire only burned off their, their bondage. And there's a fourth one in there that he looks like the Son of God. I'm telling you, the picture of that brings me hope. I tell you, there were times when I have walked, and my wife has walked through the waters, the floods. There's times we felt like we were overwhelmed. There's times we went through the fire and we felt like we were going to be burned up. But I can tell you, there was a fourth one with us. The Son of God who brought us through. And when we get on the other side of that fire, when he walks with you through it, when you invite him to be your company through the fiery furnace trial, you will not even smell like smoke, much less be scorched. Nothing. Isaiah 43, when troubles come, when fiery furnace trials come, when floods come that come against you, Isaiah 43 says, but do not remember the former things. There's sometimes people when they go through these trials and they go through trouble in life is that they always remember it and not necessarily in a good sense, but they remember the pain. Can I tell you, I look back on those times and we went through those things because the Son of God went through it with us. I look back and remember, it was bad, but God was better. It was bad. God was gooder. You know, he, he was awesome. He walked with us through it. And he tells us, don't remember the former things, but con- nor consider the things of old. Because behold, I will, say I will. This is God speaking. I will do a new thing. And now it will, shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will, say I will, even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, God is going to do a new thing. No matter what happens to us, we always have hope. In the midst of the trials, the floods, the fiery furnace trials, we have hope in the midst of them because we see light at the end of the tunnel because God said, don't remember those things. One day you're going to forget the pain of it and you're going to remember that I did a new thing. That I've got something better waiting for you once you get out of that. I'm going to walk you through it. But you know, the trials that we go through, the pain that we go through is temporal. And it will only serve if we go through it with a good attitude of a child of God. And Christ walks through it with us to prepare us for a greater work that God has called us to do. It's a preparation time. It's a school as such. Uh, remembering who God is when we go through that. Or what he has done for us has always been important in fueling us forward amidst current dilemmas and hard seasons and battles. Failures are kindling wood that God uses to express his strength through us. Not just to us, but through us. In our weakness, the word of God declares to us, Paul said to the Corinthians, he is strong in our weaknesses. It is his opportunity to show his strength when we are overwhelmed, when we can't do it on our own, when we can't fix our problems. God says, oh, you finally are going to admit that. Okay, now I will come in if you invite me, and I will do a new thing in the midst of your difficult season in time. I will be strength in your weakness. We learn during these times, and we grow much more efficiently from failure and learn more from our failures and weaknesses than from our strengths and triumphs. If we approach them and go through them with a good attitude, okay, what did God teach me through this? 
I remember when my wife, uh, uh, you know, 45 years ago, 40, somewhere around there, that she had four-stage cancer, and she felt the Holy Spirit taking her on a Bible study through uh, about... Uh, Three months into her chemo, you know, had taken, she needed a year, and then he told her then at three months, you need at least another 12 months of treatments. But she said, but here, she went through the Word of God through James and did a Bible study. And she says, you know what God was showing me is, what do I need to learn? Instead of we were sitting around having pity parties, and then she, through the Bible study, said, what is God trying to teach me? And, and once she learned that, and I, you know, God healed her completely astounded the oncologist. He didn't know what to do with that. But she was completely healed. Can I, can I just remind you that God does what no man can do? That God actually does so much more than we ever can think or hope he can do? But we learn from our failures and from our weaknesses and more from the strength. And we remember these things, but we depend on God alone. We remember those things, but we depend on God alone. God calls his people to trust in what is not yet seen. See, he's the God who calls those things as though they were that are not. He speaks into existence in, out of his mouth and it's created. He speaks it and it happens. Stacy Pardo is quoted as saying that though, though a desert is before them, before us, he is preparing to send a river of deliverance. And we can cling to that same promise, holding on to the promises of God. I think that's why the Holy Spirit um, has infused me with great hope and anticipation for a new thing that God will do, not only here at Calvary, but in his kingdom. You know, in his kingdom. He has plans and strategies, I believe, that I have I'm sensing in prayer every time I pray and the anticipation and the faith that is there is that God is, is, is creating plans and strategies to reignite and rekindle the flames of passion and love for God and for one another, to rekindle a passion and a compassion for lost people in the body of Christ for those who are going to hell. That we need to reawaken that passion for lost people. That's why we wanted to have Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It's a it's an incredible tool of, of a harvest. And we plug in and we do that together. It broke my heart when we couldn't do it last year because I felt like there's so many people in this community that need Christ as Savior. And this is a vehicle that has been used for hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people saved. I said right down here, Mike Cassell sitting right down here is a, is a, is a, is a product of that ministry. He got saved in New Jersey. And God has dropped Isaiah 43 into my heart. It keeps coming back to my thoughts and stirs a passion for me for a new beginning. And I keep hearing, as we looked up, up until, you know, off and on in the fall, uh, of, of the meager crowds that are here and people still in, watching by live stream. Finances are great. People are sending their tithes. Thank you, by the way, for that. And God bless you for that. We appreciate that. But my heart is broken because we weren't together. We're not a family. I mean, families come together. And, and we're not able to, haven't been able to do that. And, and some are still staying away, even though you don't have to stay away. You can come back, right? You can come back. Doors are open. And by the way, I, I think Pastor Mike mentioned this on Easter Sunday, April 1st, coming quick. 
We're having our breakfast. We're going ha- to we're going to have a celebration. It's going to be a party. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. You don't want to miss it. I mean, we're you know, I God is going to do something powerful. And and I'm just looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. I'm just thrilled about it. We're not even having King's Kids that day because we're having the breakfast, but also because I think it's important that your children experience the celebration in the house of God with their parents and and celebrate with them together to feel the Spirit of God move in this service uh, in an incredible way. But we have a passion for lost people. I I believe that God wants to repopulate the church. That that word repopulate kept coming to me in my prayers. And and I thought, and God's saying, not just Calvary, but churches that are sitting almost empty. That in this day, I believe the Spirit of God is saying, we get into into the uh, uh, into this chapter. And we're going to talk about that of praying, and I've been led to pray to the north, south, east, and west, according to Isaiah 50, 43, is to bring them out, release the captives, bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them home. God has not abandoned us, and uh, God has not abandoned you. And sometimes during this time, there's uh, fear. And there's a fear of rejection. That fear of rejection came to me, and there's many different definitions of that and different avenues where that goes. Isaiah 43, 1 again says, But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Can I remind you that when you read the Scriptures, you can pray the Scriptures, and you can personalize the Scriptures because the promises that were given to the Old Testament saints, <clears throat> we can apply to ourselves as well. And I can say, but now says the Lord who created you, O Tim the Hawthorne, <laughs> that he has, that he who formed you, O Tim, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine, I belong to him, and you do too, if you trusted Christ. Despite Israel's unbelief and apostasy in this day, in this season of time, God has never forsaken his people. When we are unfaithful, God remains faithful because he cannot deny his own, the word of God tells us. The Jewish nation uh, is equally relevant to the church age believers. For we too have been created by the Lord. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are the children of God. We are members of Christ's own body and we are ambassadors of heaven to the lost and the dying. These words of comfort spoken by God to the nation in this season of time to Israel can equally be applied to Christians today. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. It is said throughout the scriptures that the phrase, fear not, as I've said many times to you, appears 366 times, one for each day of the year and one for leap year. But whenever God sees fit to repeat the words, fear not, so frequently, shouldn't we pay attention to it? more often and better. Many believers have lived in fear of COVID, finances, sickness, and death. But God has not called us to be tormented by a spirit of fear, but to have faith 
a spirit of faith to stir our hearts in times of trouble, in times of testing, to let faith arise. There's times when the enemy submarines us, with he blindsides us, and, and our ship is sinking, and we're treading water, and we're maybe going to be burned up in the fire that is to come because of the explosion that hit our life. But I can tell you that we may sink for a while, but suddenly God's Holy Spirit will remind you that we have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus, who stands at the very right hand of God, making intercession for you and for me. That he, if we call on his name in the day of trouble, we have a life preserver. We have a lifesaver. We have one who comes to rescue us from the fires of affliction. The year of separation of last year and loneliness is only an opportunity for the Spirit of God to lead us into a deeper a deeper relationship. Aren't you thankful that God turns what has the enemy meant for evil into good? Romans 8.28 tells us this. And he starts out, Paul does, we know. We know. Paul's like, hey, come on, guys, we know this. This is stuff we learned in Christianity kindergarten, right? When we first learned about the Lord, we know this. We know this about God. We know it about his ways. And let me, let me remind you, because sometimes in the heat of the moment, we might forget the thing that we need to remember the most. We know that all things, I love that A-double-L, not some things, but all things, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. He's called us. <clears throat> and in that scripture, can I just remind you that He has called you. He's called you by name. He has redeemed you. And He has special purposes for your life. He has a plan for you. And, and it's up to us to seek out that plan. You know what part of the frustration is, is trying to find out what that plan is if you don't know what it is. And yet part of the most thrilling part of that is seeking it out because the seeking is fun. You can look back on it and you can think, oh my, that was frustrating at the time, but boy, did that build character. Boy, did I grow through that process of finding out all that God has for me. He turns it into good. So whenever you're going through a bad time, remember Isaiah 43, but also remember Romans 8:28. You know, I, I this just this few days ago, <clears throat> this was on my docket, and uh, you know, I was out running some errands, picking up some supplies, and my daughter had called me. One of my daughters and uh, her and a friend were dining out at a restaurant in Minneapolis, and and uh, they had just you know kind of went back and forth. Where are we going to eat? Where where do you want? And finally, they selected a restaurant, and they happened to be there. Um, I don't know where they were in their meal, but there was other people in the restaurant, and there was a a, a couple. She said probably in their forties, and um, and they had friends sitting that came in and met them, and they were laughing and having fun, and just like that, split second, this lady f- falls over, went from laughing to just fell over. They thought hey, maybe she got food stuck. They tried the Heimlich, but f- thank God her husband was a firefighter, and found out she had a massive coronary, and she, he was down there for. I think for, she said it seemed like 20 minutes and then a waitress came over and took over. We're doing CPR until the paramedics got there and they shocked her heart over and over. She said, Dad, it was over and over and over. And she was traumatized by that. And here's the thing. All things work together for good. And, and let her talk and talk and talk and talk. And I said, you know, um, maybe God, for you and your friend, set up a divine appointment for you to be at that restaurant at that moment. Maybe that was when God, right where he wanted you, 
as traumatizing as it was, think about that. She says, well, Dad, my friend, Jenny, we prayed, and we were praying and interceding for that lady and for her husband. And she says, but the closure, she says, I don't know if she made it. And anyway, the next day she texts me and was so happy. She says, oh, Dad, she said, found out through the waitress that the lady survived, that she's had a massive coronary, but she's alive. And she says, Dad, I think there might going to be an opportunity where God's going to let me talk to her. And I, and, I, and I pray for that, that that to happen. But, you know, all things work together for good. God has plans and purposes for us. It's, it's not all bad when bad things happen. Look for the silver lining. Look for the light at the end of the tunnel. You're a child of God. It's never totally dark. Because you have the light within you. The light of the world. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Shine in the darkness. You can see light at the end of a tunnel of a, of a trial. You can see the end of it. And a few days ago, I was there talking to her out front, and, I, and I, I was on the Bluetooth, and I was talking, and then a car pulled up, and I thought, oh, I better get out of the, the drive lane because I was up there to unload, and I had to unload. So I parked it down the sidewalk, and, and this lady, who, older lady who attends this church, came over to me, and she said, oh, Pastor, I see that's you. Well, I, oh, my daughter, wait a minute. And she's talking to me. She says, oh, Pastor, the live stream is so wonderful. She says, you know, I'm being real careful. She says, well, you got to be real careful and, and until you know, this is over because of my uh, propensity to might, might get it at my age. And, she says, and I said, well, you're not the only one. There's others too, and no, don't feel bad. She says, you know, I love the live stream, Pastor. I just love it, but it's just not the same as being in the presence of God with the people of God. It's just not the same. She says, the anointing, what she was saying that we feel when we're in the house of God together, she says, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's there in my home, but it's not the same as being together. And I'm just telling you folks that are home, you know, it's wonderful. Jump in the water. Amen. Amen. To the north, to the south, to the east and the west. Uh, bring the captives, release the captives. I know another lady, Marge Wagoner, she watches every week and she says, oh, pastor, it's not the same, but thank God for it. But she says, I got my second COVID shot and they say in a few weeks, I'll be back. I can't wait to get back into church. So thank God for that. So, you know, secondly, a fear of rejection, uh, there's also a fear of being scattered. You know, we're not rejected because we're accepted. Can I, the spirit of rejection is broken by the anointing of his presence in our life. Amen. That we are his and he is ours. And there's also a fear of being scattered. Scattered. The, you know, the Israelites were, were looking for, and God had this plan because they were not obeying the terms of covenant. Babylon had not come in and conquered Judah, the southern kingdom, but Assyrians, uh, Nineveh had come in and, and conquered in 722 BC, had already conquered the northern kingdom. Israel, Samaria was conquered. They were carried off into captivity. They were decimated as a nation. And Babylon was coming, and there's a fear here that they did it for them, they might do it to us. And, and so there's a fear of being scattered. And I know pastors who are fearful that their people have been scattered so far that they're not coming back. They're watching online, but they're not going to come back. And, and families can be scattered. People can scatter for various reasons, maybe out of uh, disunity in a family or disunity in a church, but uh, maybe backsliders as well. But God says, fear not, for I am with you. I will. Say, I will. 
God says that. I'll do this. I'll bring your descendants from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and say to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. I've been praying those words. And I've encouraged the prayer team to pray those words on Tuesday mornings. That I go to the north and I raise up my hands as a symbol of faith and in the name of Jesus pray that. And I pray to the east and I pray to the south and to the west to bring them up. You know, I I believe maybe, listen to this, praying over, listen, to the east... You know, there's a bay over there. There might even be people coming from the other side of the bay. (laughs) The Spirit of God, bring them back. You know, bring them in. You know what I'm saying? Anything is possible when we grab hold, as the word of the Lord was, to the horns of the altar and begin to pray. It is said in Scripture that God knows every star by name. And we are the children of God, the sheep of His pasture. He has bought us with a great price. So God can rightfully declare that we are mine. In fact, Paul tells the Corinthians, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But you know, God doesn't just know us by name. He calls us by name. He calls us by name. For he is the good shepherd of the sheep who gave his life for his, for his flock. He knew us before we were born. Did you know that? He knew you before you were born. And he scheduled <clears throat> each day of our life, a plan A for our life. God knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He collects our tears in a bottle, our prayers in bowls of incense in heaven. And he has not rejected us, nor has he forgotten where we are in the midst of our circumstances or our trials. We're not lost. He knows right where we are. In in this passage, God was promising that Jerusalem would be repopulated after their scattering. There would be a restoration, not just a restoration, but on steroids. I think this passage isn't particularly talking about this, but in 1947... There was another fulfillment of this prophecy when Israel became a nation again. And I pray, I hope you do too, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the prosperity of Jerusalem. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I'm finishing. The call of the Jews scattered around the world to repopulate Palestine was issued, and I think it was issued more than just in the natural. It was issued by the Spirit of God for a season that we're living in at this time. When this scripture came to me while in prayer, the Lord spoke to my heart again to begin to call out in agreement with the word to the north, south, east, and west to come for the people to come home to repopulate the churches and begin to serve in the churches that they belong to to advance the work of Christ and to participate in the new thing he's about to do. See, I don't want Calvary Church to be the only healthy church in the community that's preaching the gospel that hasn't gone modern or liberal. I want churches to be dotted all over the map. In a spiritual sense, God is telling the church of Jesus Christ to call out in faith and claim this scripture for the church. 
those who are scattered because of the pandemic, those watching on live stream who can return in person to worship and service and <clears throat> to serve in the ministries, those who are backslidden. If you're far from God, if you knew the Lord but you backed away, I'm telling you on live stream right now, if that's you or anybody in this congregation, that God knows your name, He knows where you're at, and He is calling on you by His Holy Spirit to come home to the faith, come home to church, to come home to the family of God and plug back in. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that He's able to do that when we pray. There's going to be a restoration and healing, and there's going to be a celebration in the body of Christ and here at Calvary as well. I'd like instead of our closing song, or you know, the song you're going to do after I'm done, raise a hallelujah. Would you do that again? Raise a hallelujah. I think that's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us today. He's speaking through the words of that song. It's almost a prophetic word today, and I was just thinking, oh my goodness. I didn't know they were going to do that. That wasn't on the list. But how incredible is the Holy Spirit to orchestrate that? Isaiah 43, 25 and 26 in closing says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will remember your sins no more. Put me in remembrance, God says. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. It's like God is saying, hey, I want to, I already made up my mind, I'm going to acquit you. Just come before me and state your case. I'll, I'll, the gavel goes down. Charges dismissed. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I preached your word that you gave to me. And now I pray for the Holy Spirit to bring it home to the hearts of the people. I pray that you my meager, weak efforts, Lord God, that you would empower by your Spirit, Lord, to stir the hearts of the people of God and stir the hearts of those who are, 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 are included to be the children of God, those who will come to faith and receive Christ as Savior by repenting of their sins. And God, loose your Holy Spirit now. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now,